Uh, uh, hope we're getting this right. I just, I'm not doing too good on the two camera. I, I need a cameraman. That's what I need. I need a cameraman. Okay. So hi everyone, Philip K. This is the Reverend Philip K. Talk coming to you live or recorded, depending on how you're watching this. And this is the Dudist Journey. And this is where we talk about Dudism, life, and all kinds of different fun things. Um, Dudism is not a religion, it's a philosophy, so I kind of want to make that clear off the bat so people understand what it is I'm doing, why I'm doing it, and all that fun stuff, okay? And I'm sorry if I if I keep moving around or fucking things up because I'm trying to do two things at once here, and I'm terrible at multitasking. Terrible. But I hope some of you have enjoyed your Valentine's Day, which recently passed. I have here a box of Star Wars chocolates that I got from my mother-in-law. Very sweet of her. But here's the thing. Like, I thought this was going to be filled with all kinds of fancy Belgium chocolates like the old things, right? But when you open it up, it's just filled with these. It's like a dozen of these. And um, they're these just, I mean, they taste good. They're little, they're little chocolates that say Star Wars on them, if you can read that. <laughs> I was just like, what the hell? Where's all the fancy chocolates? I ate it all anyway. Because that's where I am in life. Today's topic we're going to be talking about is grief. As some of you may or may not know, if you heard the last episode, cancer killed my special lady friend. My wife of 22 years died of cancer just a couple weeks before Christmas. And it's been fucking hell. There's no way to describe it. Um, and so I've had to process and go through a lot of grief. I'm still dealing with it now. And Lord knows how it's all going to work. And since we're having a topic on a very particular sensitive conversation, I got my The Dad Abides mug here that I got for Father's Day. This was one of the last gifts my wife gave me before she passed. And it's full of scotch. Frozen scotch, because I like to freeze my drinks. I like a little ice there with it. And if we're going to be talking about this, Daddy's going to need a drink. And as usual, Daddy's going to smoke his home-rolled hemp cigarettes. Because that's, that's where I am in life. Oh, sometimes Daddy needs a smoke. So... <clears throat> What's been happening since December 28th? Well, a lot of shit has happened. Did I not roll this right again? I'm terrible at rolling. I got a rolling machine and everything, and I just suck at this. I'm like, you would think someone who's smoked as long as I have would be able to roll decently. No. This thing keeps giving me problems. <laughs> <coughs> I'll do the pre-rolled ones. So what have I been doing <coughs> since December 28th? <coughs> After I, my wife passed and I had to get my kids through Christmas and the holidays. Well, I've been picking up the pieces, man. I've had to change over all the accounts. I've had to put everything over in my name. Uh, some of the stuff, you know, she dies, so it's immediately off. Some of them were loans that were connected to the house, so I inherit that debt, and I don't have a job, so it's been it's been tough. Sorry if the camera wiggles. 
<coughs> this desk that I'm recording on is not very sturdy. <laughs> and I've been trying to put things together. So the big, the big difficult part was January because I had to do three funerals. Allow me to explain. I live in Texas. My, my wife and I, we're from uh, Bakersfield, California. Okay. <laughs> Bikersfield, which is kind of like Texas, you know, rodeos, pickup trucks, all that shit. It's a farming town. And uh, it's full of meth heads and corrupt cops. So if you ever want to travel, you know, swing on by. And her plot, her grandparents bought plots for all their kids and grandkids um, when it was like dirt cheap back in like the 80s. So my wife had a plot in California. So I'm thinking, okay, that's where we're going to have the funeral. We're going to have it at the cemetery and we'll do the memorial and everything there. Well, the friends and family here in Texas wanted something done in Texas. Now, I'm not associated with any particular church. So um, one of my wife's coworkers, they recommended a place, uh, First Christian Church in Van Holstein. So we went there and uh, I had to make posters. I had to make a slideshow. Now the slideshow, that was a son of a bitch. That was a fucking son of a bitch because it, um, it was, uh, I had to go through 15,000 photos. We take so many photos now with our cameras. We don't realize how many we have. And my mother-in-law, God bless her. She had every photo she'd ever taken since 1975. And she had them all in chronological order. She had them all organized in these photo albums. So I had to go through all these photos. And I didn't even go through all of them. There were still like two big totes, two big containers full. But the problem I was having was that it's a slideshow. I, you know, it's only supposed to be as long as a song, which is three to four minutes. So I had to pick three songs. And I had to do an 11 to 12 minute slideshow. And that gives me so many pictures per year of her life. My mother-in-law suggested making two slideshows, one for Texas, one for California. I said, only if you're doing it, because I sure as shit ain't. So that's how that went. So um, we went there and we, we did the whole thing. I think the tough part was that, you know, I had to drag my kids through all this because my kids are having to go through three services too. Now, the ladies, they pretty much did everything. They set up the reception area. They... Um, they got the cookies and the stuff and everything, and they were really great. I, I can't say, I, I must have said thank you a thousand times during the month of January because we had so much compassion and so much um, love that came out from the folks out here. It was amazing, unlike anything I'd ever seen. And so, so we do the memorial service here. I have my wife's remains in an urn. And we do the whole thing. It's tough. We get through it. Now, I have a slide. I recorded, I had them record the ceremony in case anyone wasn't able to make it. But the slideshow, they were just recording a screen. So I spliced in the slideshow to make it easier. And they were using like OBS Studio and stuff. So not too, not too tough. But it was just getting everything done and doing the little programs and all that stuff wasn't fun. But then after I, I get that finished, I'm trying to arrange the burial of her remains and the memorial service in California. Now, the, the, the funeral home or the cemetery 
where the plot's at. They have all this, but they're completely booked. The only thing they had open was Thursday at 2 p.m. for the burial. That was it. I had to host the memorial someplace else on Sundays at this uh, banquet hall that they had uh, that we found um, through a family friend. So we go to do the burial. It's Thursday at 2. Now, once again, they bought these plots before the cemetery was as big as it is. So we're right next to the road. <laughs> we're not that far from the street. And I had to buy a vault. The funerals are so goddamn expensive. It's unbelievable. I mean, just to cremate her remains was $2,500. Okay. So that if start saving now, because <laughs> you're going to need every penny. And, uh, God damn it went out. Uh, so what happened was, was that, um, I had to buy this vault, which was thousands of dollars. And it's this concrete vault that they put the remains in. And um, I didn't want to give them the urn. So I put it back in the original box that it was in that I got from the uh, the crematorium. I thought I was going to have to fill out all this, do all this stuff because they made a big deal about you, you're transporting remains. And since you're transporting remains, you have to have these permits and you have to have the death certificate and all this stuff. But when I got there the planes had changed things like because my mom had told me when she transferred my grandma she was like we had to put all that those remains in her check-in bag not her on-flight bag so that's what i thought i had to do but they said no i checked out their website and they were like you have to carry it with you it's the safest way because apparently there was an incident where someone went followed by that policy had their uh, loved one's remains checked it in to, to the check-on bag which went into the you know the the, the belly of the plane in the back and uh, the ashes got all tore up. Now, some people argue that it wasn't properly secured in place, which is, could be the problem. Uh, but <laughs> yeah. So they just had me keep it with me. They, they tested and checked everything. They had to, they had to test the remains to make sure I wasn't carrying cocaine, which by the way, great idea to carry cocaine. Everything. No one's going to think to look there. And um, I had to take her on the plane and we went out there. Um, so we go to do the burial service. They set it up with some chairs. We got, you know, an awning and everything. And I see this urn and it's this big concrete urn. And I picked out the pink one because that's probably what my wife would like. Because that's the other problem I'm having is that I have to make decisions and I normally don't have to make these decisions. But now I do have to make these decisions. You know, my wife is... She was the other half of my brain, man. And so I don't have that half. So I second guess every fucking thing I do. And it's uh, it can be frustrating. So we get there. Some folks show up that aren't going to be able to be there Sunday. Some that are going to be there Sunday as well. But they came for support. It was very kind of them. I, I saw my older brother I haven't seen in like 15 years. And uh, got to see some family members I hadn't seen in a long time. Um, I didn't do the whole eulogy. I just read the poem that I have found. And, oh, that's my air freshener. Sorry, I forgot to turn. I have a fan in here, too, and I can't turn it on because it makes too much noise, which pisses me off because I'm hot. Hot and sexy. So, everything goes fine at the burial. But at the end, like, I asked if anyone wanted to say anything. Only one person came up. And then we were going to, we called the crew to come and do the burial. 
Now, folks were supposed to disperse at that point, but they wanted to stay. And then all of a sudden, some folks started jumping up and getting on the microphone and talking. And I was like, what the hell is this? And it was hard to hear them because we're right next to the road and trucks are going by. You know, oh, God, it was hell. But when we finally go to put the remains in, The two groundskeeper, grave diggers, whatever you want to call them, they couldn't open the urn. They had to put it on its side and get a shovel and pry open <coughs> and pry open the lid. I'm like, you think you fuckers would have thought of this before? Because this is killing the moment here. And then, then they uh, <laughs> they only buried her like three feet in the ground. I was like, isn't this supposed to go six feet deep? Because I'm tempted to just hop the fence <laughs> later tonight, dig her up and take this expensive ass urn that I paid for. <laughs> I was like, it was kind of killed. But then then we went and we did the service on Sunday at the, the banquet hall. And uh, a lot more people showed up than I thought. We had to set out more tables. I, I, I had to ship the posters to... Um, my wife's cousin, Andrew, where uh, he was, we were up at his house for that night and he, he was great, very hospitable, very kind. He gave us a California welcome, which means uh, when we arrived, we had weed waiting for us. <laughs> Not in Texas, we got hemp. Um, and uh, we did that service and it, and it was tough, but everyone got to eat and, and talk and get pictures and things. And I was able to see friends that I haven't seen in years. It was, I really want to say thank you to everybody that came out. It was, it was really helpful. Um, and I had a lot of people, a lot of people come up and they always ask, how are you doing? How are you? And I had the same answer. I was like, fucking terrible. What the, my wife just died. I've, I'm, I'm shit. What the fuck? And because of my wife's insurance, um, it's all through her work and it ended on December 31st. Cobra wanted like $3,000 to keep it going. I said, I can't afford that. Fuck you. I don't have a job right now. So not doing too good. I'm living off of the GoFundMe money, which people donated, which I'm very grateful for. And we got some life insurance, so we have that. But right now, that's just keeping a roof over our heads. You know what I mean? I got to figure out something steady. Uh, getting survivor's benefits through Social Security for my kids so they have something when they grow up. And I'm taking it a day at a time. And just trying to get everything organized. I've got almost everything done. Everything's in my name, but I'm still working on the mortgage and the Apple account <laughs> and uh, the phones. I still have a few things to do. Her van was here. I I, uh, I sold her van to a company that sells uh, wheelchair accessible vans because the van was just sitting there. It was just rotting. And I'm like, we might as well give this to a company that can sell it to someone who can use it. Because I'm not going to do anything with it. It's just going to sit here. So we did that, and it was kind of tough. And then, you know, the clothes, cleaned out the closet. Not easy, man. I started uh, redecorating. The, well, so I was talking to a counselor because everyone recommended it. So I did. I had a few sessions in before the insurance ended and I was asking her like, what am I, what, what do I do? Like, when am I, when do I take off my ring? 
when do I make a change? Should I make a change? You know, and the therapist was telling me, as other people told me, you'll know. You'll know when the time is right. You'll know. I don't know fuck about shit, dude. <laughs> My brain is fucking scrambled right now. Are you kidding me? I can't make fucking decisions. I need an adult. <laughs> I was like, fuck. So I'm trying to go with that. Um, like I said in the last one, um, I have the wedding rings on this chain here. Um, because I couldn't, I couldn't wear my ring and I couldn't take it off because for those of you who know, when you have rings, you fidget with them, you know? And so every time I fidgeted with it, I was reminded. So I put it on my other hand, but then I would fidget with that one and it just reminded. So this, this kind of helps. The chain is heavy. It's not particularly comfortable. It's just kind of a reminder of the pain that I'm carrying around. Because as I've learned with grief, there is no... Uh, plan. There is no stages. I know everyone talks about the five stages of grief, but I'm here to tell you right now that after doing my research, psychology has said that that's not accurate. You see, those five stages of grief were from people who were dying, not from people who were grieving. So it's different. Um, but I'm sort of making that, that change and trying to learn the new norm, like the room. I had pictures and paintings of her all around our bedroom and I can't look at them anymore, man. I can't look at her picture. It, it just makes me too fucking sad. I, I literally, I can't wait for my kids to go to school because I literally cry and scream when they are gone. Cause I'm trying to deal with all this sadness and this pain. And no matter what every day, no matter what I'm doing, I basically tear up. Um, after we did the memorial service in California, I, uh, when I was going through my wife's things before we left, I had found an envelope with money in it that said, um, our big trip on it. She, um, sorry if I start crying. Um, I, I'm a goofy artist from a poor family. I don't have money. I don't know what it's like to grow up with money. Okay. Um, I, I know what it's like to be broke because I'm, I'm, I'm pretty good at, at knowing that, but, um, yeah, I don't know if, if, if my wife had married some successful businessman instead of my ass, she probably would have taken a dozen trips, but we never went. And so she was saving up money for us to go on this big trip. And, um, since we're in California, I made reservations to Disneyland and I took my kids to Disneyland because we had been through so much shit and so much grief and so much crying that I wanted to take them someplace and just cheer them the fuck up. And that's what we did. I must have gone on that little mermaid ride like four or five times in a row. Ugh. But we went and we had these really great moments. And the whole time I'm there, I just keep thinking, God, Chris would love this. Chris would absolutely absolutely love this and um she wasn't there and that's uh sorry that was i was getting a phone call um it's my mom checking in on me i'll talk to you in a minute mom if you're watching if you're the one viewer <laughs> that's watching right now live on the twitch stream i can't wait to make merch uh, <laughs> um but yeah so i I've, I've been going through all this but like the bedroom i was like this is 
Phil and Kristen's bedroom. Now it's just Phil's bedroom. What does Phil want to do with this bedroom? So I'm turning my bedroom into a gothic library right now. That's uh, that's what I always wanted to do, man. I'm going to put skulls up and books and my guitars and some crazy artwork and black lights and all kinds of shit. I mean, it's not a gothic library. It's not like it's filled with just, you know, horror books or anything. It's going to be a library that has a gothic uh, uh, design to it. <sighs> gotta have a water, gotta have smoke. So, let's go into grief. Now, as you know, in Judaism, we could talk about taking it easy and sadness does come. And we highly encourage people to just kind of ride the wave. And so that's what I'm doing right now. Uh, because I'm at that point that even songs make me sad. That song, uh, Don't Don't Speak, by No Doubt, that song takes on a whole new meaning when you love someone who's ready to die. Because as I said in my last podcast, the hardest thing was not holding my wife as she died. The hardest thing was telling her it was okay to die. That was fucking tough. And I'm dealing with all that fun trauma and fun bullshit. Mostly with alcohol. I can't sleep because I don't want to get in bed because that's where we used to connect at night and I'm just in there and it's cold and alone. And you have to understand, man, I, I was married for 22 years. I don't know what it's like to be alone. I haven't been alone since I was fucking 16 years old. I have, you know, I don't know. I'm in uncharted territory, man. And so as I'm going through grief, I'm hearing about the five stages. But as I read, it turns out the five stages were total BS. And there were two other stages to these five. So there's actually seven. And shock and testing were, were left out. <clears throat> so I searched through, because I found all kinds of things. Like <laughs> One thing said, I shit you not, it said that after someone you love dies, you'll start to feel normal in six to eight weeks. Bullshit. Okay. <laughs> All right. My wife died on December 9th, technically December 8th, but recorded as December 9th because that's how it, it was late at night. It was like 10 minutes before midnight. So, um, but as you know, my wife basically died two months ago and that's eight weeks and I still feel like shit. <laughs> I don't feel normal at all. Holy fucking Christ. I feel like someone tore my heart out of my asshole. That's what it fucking feels like. And when you're 40, you know what I'm talking about. So I went through and I said, okay, well, if these five stages, the whole denial, uh, I'm sorry, the seven stages, shock, denial, anger, bargaining, depression, testing, acceptance, total BS. So I've learned that grief is a roller coaster and it's not bound by time. Like the whole six, eight weeks, that's bullshit. You have no idea. I heard some people that they took off their wedding ring right after their spouse died. And I read stories about people that never took off their wedding ring after their spouse died and died alone. So where do I fall, man? What do I do? Because I got two kids, so my standards are really high. I can't just jump into a relationship with anyone. And I don't know what's out there. I'm not on Tinder or Match or Plenty of Fish or what the or Stir or whatever the fuck it is that I keep getting ads about. Because <laughs> it's like... I swear, man, the fucking internet, it's like the moments you announce anything, you're getting hit with ads for some fucking service. 
So instead of talking about that, instead of talking about the five stages, because I got to tell you, I wasn't in denial and I wasn't angry. I was first in shock and then I was just in total fucking depression. So I've skipped like three, four of these fucking steps. So I went in, checked out a few psychologists and stuff, because as much as we can look at the holy scriptures of wise and prophets of the past, they don't always go with these things. Sometimes we'll just say, well, there's a time to laugh and a time to cry. Thanks. Wow, this is great. <clears throat> so what I did, so I did some research and I found that this is what you can expect. These are six things, six things. you could expect to go through when you are feeling grief after someone dies or whatever the case is. I got ashes everywhere. Number one, acknowledge the pain. Now this is going to be tough. Acknowledge the pain. Ugh, that's tough for some people, but it's there. It's real. It's eating away at you. It's fucking you up. It's pain, man. You got to deal with it. You, you got to you gotta keep rolling there, okay? Um, and you have to realize that it's here. It's not going away. And no matter what you do, what you take, what you ingest, what you inhale, it's not leaving. And trust me, I've tried everything. It doesn't go away. It sticks. Some people are always like, oh, it's a state of mind. It's your choice. No, it fucking isn't. Because I have tried to choose to be happy, okay? I got two kids. My world can't, my, the world ain't going to stop for me. I have to keep moving. And their world is on my shoulders, so I cannot falter. I can't fuck up. It's not an option for me. It's not an option for parents. Especially single parents. So I acknowledge this. Now, the other thing... About understanding this pain is step two, which is grief triggers different emotions. Some days I want to cry. Some days I want to scream. Some days I, you know, I'm taking on projects. I'm dealing with things that on and some other days I ain't doing shit. I'm just doing the bare minimum. <coughs> because like I said, you know, Hey, I need a job, but, if I go try to get a job now with how fucked up I am, ain't gonna last long. I've got to, I've got to kind of rummage through this and build up a portfolio and put myself together and presentable because I, I, I had gotten that uh, certificate and I was already looking for a job when all of this sort of happened. But when this happened, everything got put on hold. And uh, now I got to pick up the pace where I left off, but now I have to do it with a, with a broken heart. And a broken mind. It's not easy. And so, yeah, some days I'm screaming. Some days I'm fucking angry. And some days I'm okay. But, uh, like I said, I've had different emotions, different things. And even music and certain songs have changed for me. I try not to think about her. But it's hard when I see them in my children's face. I see her face. I see her eyes. I see her smile. And 
And as I see them each growing, I just keep thinking, God, she would love to see this. God, I wish she was here. So, like I said, shock, I can totally agree that that is absolutely accurate. Because I was in shock for at least a month. Even though I knew she was gone and her remains were in a fucking urn, you know, sitting near the mantle. I just kept thinking that she was just going to wheel around that corner in her wheelchair with that big smile and be like, hey, baby, what you cooking? That doesn't happen anymore. Now I have to learn to live with my heart in two places again. Which goes on to the third step of what happens in grief, which is each experience is unique. Not everyone's going to be the same, man. And, and that, that is the fucking truth. That is the fucking truth if I ever heard it, brother. Because it's that that's real, absolutely, totally real. I could totally, totally agree with that. It's unique to everybody. Like I said, some folks don't take off the ring. Some folks do. Um, I read a story about a guy whose wife died, and a month later he married her sister. Now, of course, just just being me, I'm like, that's a, that, that's a little sus. Okay, that's a little suspicious. Like, what was going on over there? Once again, it's it's you don't know, and I don't know their situation, and I don't know the whole thing, and so you know, I'm not going to judge. But still, I think I saw it on the news feed with George Takei. <coughs> If you guys don't know who George Takei is, huh, your life is missing something. So we all admit our experiences are unique and they're different. And we all have to go through them differently and feel them differently and work them differently. And so, unfortunately, like some of my posts on social media with like family and friends and the public have been a little bit more sad. There's this, there's this little cartoon out right now based off a book, The Boy, the Mole, the Fox, and the Horse. And it's about this boy who's lost and he meets all these animals on this journey through the forest trying to find his home. And of course, he realizes at the end that his home is with these animals that he's become friends with. But at one point, he asks the horse, what is the bravest thing you've ever said? And the horse replied, help. That fucking hit. God, that fucking hit. So, yeah. Got all teary-eyed at that cartoon. Ugh. So, we're all different friends, even though we are so much the same. Wanting the same things. Living in the same country. There's a lot that separates us too. Which brings us on to the fourth step, which is to seek support from those that care. I've had a few folks reach out, um, call, talk to me. 
some folks I probably wouldn't have even thought, but they have. And I got to say to you folks, you've been great. Uh, Eves and Jay and my mom, Tristan, um, my brother James, Justice. I love you guys. I love you all so much. Thank you. It's it's helped. It's really fucking helped. Um, and then uh, big shout out to my buddy Delphine. He's my brother from another mother. He's been a big help. He's my ride or die. I actually won tickets. Oh, so here's a shout out to another uh, a Twitch streamer that I know. So Giggle Puss Gang, my buddy Justice runs that. Please watch his show. It's hilarious. Um, Taffeta Darling, our fangirl in Dallas. Find her channel. I don't know where it is or where uh, I, I will find links. But uh, these two folks um, have been great. Taffeta ran a contest uh, to the new Ant-Man movie, and I got to go see it. And it was nice to kind of get out of the house without the kids. And Delphine went with me and we got these great seats and got to see this movie on Wednesday when it came out on the Friday. And apparently AMC has liquor now. So I was able to get liquor. Great movie, by the way, uh, Ant-Man Quantumania. Don't listen to the critics. Go out and see it for yourself. Listen to the fans. It's a great fucking movie. It's funny. It's a total trip. And if you have shrooms and weed, please do them before the movie. Because when that second wave hit, that movie was just fucking awesome. All right. So definitely, I definitely know that I, I have support. And I've been, uh, I, I got a, the folks out there, like a little team rooting for me. I can't thank you all enough because it has been hard. It has been tough. Which leads into... St- the fifth part of what to expect when you're in grief, which is take care of yourself. This one is fucking hard for me. I'm skipping meals. I'm not getting sleep. I'm exercising though. I'm exercising and I bought myself some toys. I got a new lightsaber with all the effects and stuff on it from the folks at, I think it was Neo Sabers. I think that's what they're called. Thank you, gentlemen. You did great. Wonderful product you made. Plug in them as much as I can. Uh, I got some new tools, uh, like I said, because I'm redoing my room. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to make sure to remind myself, eat, drink, <laughs> especially the little daddy's cough syrup when you need it. <laughs> And remember to laugh and have fun. I'm trying to watch like the new South Park episodes. And I went through all the Harley Quinn <laughs> on HBO Max. You didn't return the pasta maker. I love Bane on that show. Oh my God. Bane is fucking, if you haven't seen it, get HBO Max just to watch that show. Trust me. It's worth every penny. It's fucking hilarious. Bane is great. I actually turned that into a meme on my, uh, on my Tumblr. If you want to go to, Go to my Tumblr where I, I'm usually doing comic and movie and reviews and stuff. I haven't written in a while, obviously, because everything going on, but I'm going to get back on the horse in the next couple of weeks. Be patient with me. And so, once again, let's go over this. What to expect when you're grieving. Acknowledge the pain. Okay. Grief triggers different emotions. Accept that. It's okay. All right. 
Each experience is unique. Seek support from those who care. Take care of yourself. And the final and sixth thing is you have to know the difference between grief and depression. Grief, it comes in waves. It's temporary. You know, when I'm crying, I'm grieving. That's grief. But if I stay in my bed all day and don't do shit, that's depression. Depression is long-term. Grief is, is temporary. It, 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 it's waivers. It's not permanent. And so I know now I'm grieving that this isn't so much depression because I've been depressed. I've been so you're, you're looking at a suicide survivor or you're listening to a suicide survivor. So I know depression and I got to admit that during these times, if I want to slip into something comfortable, it's usually the darkness. Um, but it's, um, I know what I'm going through is definitely grief, not so much depression, definitely grief. And so I'm steering myself through those waters uncharted. And um, as I've said uh, with other folks, um, I'm sorry, I just had this, this sudden flash and this memory of Chris, my, my late wife. It's so weird to fucking call her that now. God damn it, baby. She was the captain of our ship, of our little boat. I often describe life as a boat and being on the waters, being out in, in the waters in the unknown. She was the captain of the ship, and I was the guy shoveling coal into the furnace and making sure the machine worked and, or the engine kept running. Now, if both of us didn't do our job, the boat didn't move. But now the captain's gone. And now I'm the captain. And now I've got to plot the course and guide the ship while at the same time making sure there's enough coal in the furnace and the engine is running. Lucky me. And of course, as I've explained, I don't... I don't do that, man. That's not me. That's not what I do. And now i got to do it. Can I be a good captain? I don't know. I don't know. I don't... I mean, I, I've done captaining before, but usually when I do, we hit icebergs, okay? So, yeah. But, like I said, I don't have a choice. The world doesn't stop for me, and I have individuals that are now depending on me to ensure that I keep the boat afloat. So as we think on these six things that allow us to gauge and go through grief and understand it, I usually do five minutes of silence for us to meditate, pray, conjure, just think about what it is I've just talked about today. We're going to take five minutes of silence. And this is live, so I'm going to do the full five minutes, okay? 
and we're going to start right now.
All right, start to finish up. Last breath, last thought, last prayer. And we're back. I hope that maybe some of this might help you and that you understand that your emotions and the, the stages you're going through can't be labeled, can't be put into a little nice box. And oftentimes, never will be. So from the Judas priest, Philip K., Dr. Reverend Philip K., I hope that whatever grief you're going through, you remember the old Buddhist teachings, which is suffering is temporary. This will pass. And who knows? You'll probably be better at the end of it, through it all, hopefully. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you very much to Twitch to the one viewer. Thank you for <laughs> sticking through. And uh, I'll talk to you all next time. Thanks for tuning in. Bye-bye.